and then the doctor walked into um, the waiting room and um, looked at me and says, Jason, I'm sorry, your wife has stage four colon cancer. The way that I can heal is by connecting with others. And, and I needed people, I needed people to rally around me to help me through this process. And it was amazing. We have three boxes that can help. Um, we have boxes that are for grief and we have boxes for diagnosed with cancer. And then we have a box for um, anxiety and depression. <laughs> are you feeling stuck, lost, tired, or uninspired? We've all been there, including myself. I'm Coach Des, mindset motivator and lifestyle entrepreneur. I'm here to tell you that the best, unapologetic, and limitless version of yourself is yet to come. The Born Unbreakable podcast is here to inspire just that. With motivating guests from all different walks of life and around the world, their stories will empower you to unlock abundance and your unbreakable spirit. Do you need accountability? Reach out to me for a free consultation of how I can support you in reaching your maximum potential. Welcome to the Born Unbreakable podcast. I'm your host, Coach Des, and I have an incredibly special guest on the show today. I have been utterly touched by his story, which I'm really, uh, you know, feeling in a space that I, I needed to hear your story, and I think everyone needs to. And um, I'm just honored that we have created this space today for you to tell it. I have Jason Clausen with me today. He is a clinical licensed therapist by background, and he is out of Provo, Utah. I actually used to live in Utah when I worked uh, for Intermountain Healthcare for a couple of years, so I love it out there. And he is the co owner of Giving Sunshine, which is an amazing, amazing company that creates these special therapeutic gift baskets that touches people, touches people's lives exactly when they need it. And I'll, and I'll allow him to tell the story of that. But Jason has gone through some trials and tribulations of his own. Um, he has a, a pretty painstaking story about his wife who went through terminal illness and that is actually the catalyst for a lot of what he is doing in the world today. So Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Des. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here to, to share my story and see how we can help other people. Yeah. Well, you know, what touched me so much <clears throat> is you know, the fact that you you had to go through a hardship with your wife being terminally ill, and that's always a, a difficult pill to swallow when you you get news like that and have to go through that journey. Um, I personally have in my family and have met, you know, others, colleagues, friends that have had this experience, and it is, it's grueling. I, I, I can't you know, I, I try to sit here and think of the words to describe, and that's one of the first things that comes to my mind because no matter how strong you are and, you know, positive you are, it, it doesn't change the fact that it's just a hard situation yeah. and it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a situation that affects so many people. So if you would 
could you take us back to that time when you learned about your wife's illness and and what the experience was like absolutely i i always tell people there's like it's not if it's when you're gonna have a hard experience so <laughs> just just get ready because life is gonna throw curveballs at you so for me i i felt like um this is going back a couple of years um the situation i was in with my family and my two boys life was going great. <laughs> we were happy about life. We we're happy about um, the directions we were going and things were starting to really feel good. And we could, our, if our lives continue where they at, where they were going, we could be so happy. But um, an example of that is I was a clinical director at a recovery program. My boys were thriving in sports and school. Uh, we're building a house that we just wanted to to spend some time in. My wife lost a hundred pounds, and the light was coming on. And we're like, "Oh my gosh, this is what we've worked so hard in life." And I think a few of us, as many many of us, have had that. It's like, man, I feel like I'm doing well in life. But um, like I said, my situation changed when my wife came to me and says, "Jason, I have this lump in my stomach. What do you think it is?" and we began to kind of explore and test it out. And I said, well, let's not freak out. Let's wait a week. Um, uh, and then we'll, we'll go from there. So I waited a week. She came back and she says, we felt it and it had grown. And then we started saying, oh no, what's, what do we do? So we started going to a doctor's appointments and started to do blood work and blood tests and just, through a few of those, like nothing was, we weren't getting any answers to this lump in her stomach. So we went to a few more and <laughs> by the time things were um, all said and done, we were, we found ourselves up in the hospital and uh, we were recommended to do exploratory surgery because nothing pinpoint of what was going on. So it was hard because we're like, okay, we have this good life we're living Let's let's take care of this so we can get back to the life that we have enjoyed. So we did exploratory surgery and then the doctor walked into um, the waiting room and um, looked at me and says, Jason, I'm sorry. Your wife has stage four colon cancer. So in a short amount of time where you feel like life is going to your wife has stage four colon cancer. It just, um, I wasn't ready for that news to hit me. I don't think I was fully emotionally prepared. I know I wasn't uh, mentally, physically, maybe even spiritually to be able to hear that news. And um, I, I just begin to weep because I just didn't know what to do. And my in-laws were there, my sister, and, and we just had this moment of how are we going to deal with this? Because up until this point, Life had been pretty good, so we just, I just remember going, what am I going to tell my kids? Um, how am I going to pay for this? How long, what, what are we going to do for treatment? And just like my brain was just all over the place thinking like, how, how could this happen to me? How could this happen to us? Because we were trying so hard to be good people 
to help people in their hardest addiction recovery. Um, we were helping people in the community. It's like, this doesn't seem fair. <laughs> and I had those moments of like, kept saying, this isn't fair. Why me? Why my family? Why do I have to go through this? And then this, we went, um, my wife got out of surgery. We got her in her recovery room. Doctor came back in and told my wife the diagnosis. And again, we, we began to weep and I couldn't shut my brain off. And the doctor left the room and I just said, I, I need some answers. So I, I, I ran after the doctor down the hallway and I said, doctor, doctor, like, I have so many questions. And I said, how long does, what does treatment look like? How I'm going to um, tell my kids what we're going to do. And I just started peppering with all these questions. And then, and then the doctor stopped me and, and said a phrase that has forever changed me. She looked at me and she said, Jason, you'll be okay. And then she says, cancer has a way of enhancing your life. <laughs> and, 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 and that phrase at that moment is something I did not, wasn't ready and I didn't want to hear. Because I said, I did not, I don't want my life to be enhanced. And I want, I want all the stuff that was happening to come back. And I was just so frustrated in that moment. <laughs> that doctor was like, give me some good advice. Don't say it's going to enhance your life. <laughs> yeah. You're like, that. yeah, I, I didn't, that's not helping me at this minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that, I mean, that's a whole lot to take in. You've got your family there. You're processing this information. There's no way to really, you know, process that in a moment and feel like you have. And I don't know that you ever get all the answers, you know. Yeah. You you just, something happens unexpectedly and you you find the will to, to keep going. But I, but I am curious because you mentioned it a couple of times, your kids. Yeah. What was it like when you did have a conversation with them about their mom? Um, I think I was fearful and I was worried of how it's going to impact their life. Um, but I knew I needed to have it because I didn't want them to be in the dark. Um, I didn't want them to wonder why mom has so many appointments. Um, why they keep bouncing from house to house, why mom's taking all this medication. So I think what I learned working with kids is you, you, you want to be open, but you don't want to tell them too much that it overwhelms them. So I remember sitting down with them and just saying, um, this, is, this is the scenario. Mom has cancer and she's going to start doing treatment. And I said, do you guys have any questions? And um, I, I left it like that for them to ask the questions. And, and what's important in those situations is kids will ask questions. They'll ask enough questions to satisfy what they need. Um, but as adults, we want to just dump information on them and then it overwhelms them. So we just left it open-ended where they could ask some questions and they didn't ask much. Um, 
but for they, I think they asked like three or four questions and they're like, okay, all right, I'm good. Cool. And they were fine. They were, they got enough. And then we always left it open where they could come back and ask more questions. And it became a healing and teaching process through the, the whole journey so that they could process the information and the questions that came up. So that, that became so helpful because um, I wanted my boys to not just have this built up, built up um, emotions and energy. I wanted them to be a part of the process. So not an adult, but give them enough to, to satisfy them until the next questions came up. And that was really helpful through the process. Yeah. Being in the present moment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Usually questions, especially with something like this for a young person, isn't going to come until, you know, they see something and they have another question. So it's more, you know, along the way and not so much all a burst at once. The, the tricky thing about this whole situation and being a male, and I go back to what Lewis Howes talks about, the mask of masculinity. Um, for me in this moment, um, I felt like I had to be the strongest person for everybody. And so for me, I, I put on a mask of masculinity because everybody else needed help and support, but who's going to be the strong one? So I, I believe I put on a mask shortly after the hospital and I just went into, I'm going to help my wife. I'm going to help clients. I'm going to help uh, my kids and help them get through everything. And, and, that for me, as I look back on it, it was it. I don't think it was fair to me, but it was what I felt was the most important thing. So I think the emotions that were inside just built over time. And I remember mornings where I'd wake up um, or I'd take care of my wife and take care of the boys, get them off to school. Then I would go work and work with girls in trauma <laughs> And then I'd come home and then I would take care of my wife, give her medicine and help get everybody fed and, and, and just get all the day to day, get my wife into bed. I'm going so fast, but get her comfortable, get her asleep, then get the boys asleep. And, and I, I did this day after day after day. And I remember like I would just lay exhausted on the couch and, um, and I just start scrolling through the phone because I just needed to disconnect. And and I just remember I'd just cry myself to sleep and just said, this is so hard. This is so hard. And then I'd get up, <laughs> pick up my mask, put it on, and I just did this. And that's just the way I felt everybody needed support, and I forgot about myself. So that was what was hard. And, and I felt like this went on for nine months. And for nine months, I, uh, or we were given the diagnosis of two to three years to live. And then at nine months, that's when my wife um, passed away. So wearing this mask, saying, what am I going to do? How do I pick up the pieces and provide everything my wife provided for me, my wives, and my family? And, uh, the, the funerals are great because everybody rallies around you and brings you stuff and are you okay? But, but what happens after the funeral that I don't think a lot of people understand is 
That's when life gets really difficult and hard. That's when it sinks in that the reality of your loss and your your spouse or whoever's there is not there. And that's where you feel depressed. You feel lonely. You feel like you don't want to do anything. You don't want to get out of bed. You don't want to shower. Um, and, and you just go into like this, this fog of what do I do? How do I pick up the pieces? And, and, and I remember being in my bedroom and just going, I don't want to go to work. Like, I don't want to help anybody. And that went on for like eight days. And then my work calls me and says, Jason, I need you back to work. And I'm just like, don't I get a break? Like life is not fair. Like what was the doctor saying? <laughs> my life isn't being enhanced. It's being complicated. <laughs> <laughs> like, is this what enhancement feels like? I'm not sure about this and enhancement. But yeah, that's a tough phone call to get when you're in that state. And so you went back. I went back. Uh-huh. Okay. And I remember just, uh, like I said, putting on that mask and maybe if I help people and um, maybe that will um, bless my life or help me through the grief and and I, I quickly realized I wasn't working on myself the way I needed to. And I remember coming home from work and my 13-year-old would look at me and say, Dad, you come home angry every day. And I was just, that just broke my heart. And I, and I thought, man, he's seeing right through this mask. And this isn't fair to him to be angry every day. So I remember being at work and... Um, Things are just building up and overwhelming. And this is about nine months after my wife passed away. And I remember I was sitting in a parking lot and I said, I need some help. So I pulled out my phone and I text 14 of my family, friends, and neighbors. And I said, guys, I'm struggling. I need some help. I took off my mask and I said, can you come to my house? Because I need your help. And... I sent it and I was like, I hope they show up. So that night, all of a sudden the door started, people just started to pour in my house. And what I found is all those people I text, they're ready to help me. And I sat in my living room and I called my own intervention. And what I found is I found my healing team ready to help me. But I think the key, Des, is finally I, I had to choose to take off my mask and I had to be vulnerable because vulnerability invites vulnerability. And I just poured out my heart and told everybody what was going on and how I was feeling and how overwhelming it was. And then I gave them permission to be able to come help me. And that is such a pivotal moment in my life where I was able to ask for help and people were listening and my healing team was ready to help me. And I, I also learned that the opposite of grieving is connection, kind of like what we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. And the way that I can heal is by connecting with others. And, and I needed people. I needed people to rally around me to help me through this process. And it was amazing. It was so 
um, empowering to be able to finally say, this is how I feel. Yeah. I mean, I, even looking at you visibly, it was, it, it looks like that is the moment where you actually took a first breath. Like, you know, you're holding your breath this whole time because you're uplifting everyone else when you needed to be uplifted. And that was one of my favorite parts of the story that I read about you is this healing team, this grieving team. Because when you go for so long pouring into everyone and you're on empty, your gas tank is depleted. There's only so much farther you can put along until you break down. Right. That's, that's everything. Everything needs to be charged, refueled, and more than anything, that's us as human beings. And so the fact that you did your own intervention, (laughs) you know, you got to that point where you said enough was enough. And I, I think that that says a lot about your ability to acknowledge exactly where you were and exactly what you needed. So then what happened after that? So now you have this group of people, they're there for you on this healing journey. So what, what came of that uh, experience next? It's a great question because going back to the, the, after sharing and talking about all the things that were stressed me out. So what I did in that moment is we identified a team captain for me to help navigate the ship. And we identified the needs that I needed um, help with. And we said, let's come up with a code word that I can text one word to the team captain. And when everything's are so emotionally exhausting, overwhelming, triggering, all I have to do is send one, one word help to my team captain. And the team captain will send out a mask text to everybody. And everybody will go into action about their role, whether it be you, you come and do my laundry. My, my parents come and did my laundry. Someone did the yard work. Someone brought me over food. Someone texted me uplifting messages. A friend would come over and talk to me. Someone would take the kids. So this team, when they got that, that text, they could come over. They could take the stress off of me and I could breathe and they could get some of those stressors done until I can begin to take those back when I was strong enough to, to take them back. And I, I brought, I was able to have some resilience or some, um, some strength to be able to take them back and then move through the process. And then if it ever got heavy again, I could just send that text. And this gave me, this empowered me. And I knew from that moment forward, I could get through this because I had my team to help me walk through this journey however hard or difficult or what anniversaries all i had to do was send a text and my army and my team came and helped me and it was it was it was um empowering and i was like i can do this and i think what's what's tricky what i learned too is people when when you go through a traumatic event or grief people don't know what to do or say and Mm -hmm. i i say they go into a support vacuum where they just disappear and they, they say they end up wanting to do anything, but they end up doing nothing and they just disappear because they, so they just don't know what to do. And 
I, I think that is a, this is a huge lesson. This moment, you talking through this is one of the biggest lessons I think anybody listening to this right now can learn from. I remember going through an experience of grief and I read the book by, um, um, it is called Option B by Cheryl uh, Sandberg and um, her, when her husband died suddenly. They were on vacation and he collapsed while he was working out and it was just this this whole horrible experience. Anyways, one of the key points she talks about in the book is, is just exactly what you said. When something like this happens, people are not sure what to do, what to say, how to act. And all of a sudden, that after the funeral, after the big, you know, coming together, it's a lonely, like being on an island because people are not intentionally, but, but you, you, they think you need time. They think you need space. They think you need, uh, you know, uh, the certain things that although well-intentioned might be the opposite of what you actually need. And, um, she was talking about it being awkward, like going to work and nobody saying anything or just, you know, going through these different experiences. And I think what you're describing is so important because it's more than anything at that time you need human connection, you need care, you need compassion, you need to just be seen, be heard. And there's sometimes not even an answer. I think just being able to be even in a state of being a mess, being sad, being downtrodden is okay. It's a part of the human condition. It's a part of the human experience. But we struggle so much to ask for help yep. as if it's going to be a sign of weakness, that you're incapable, that you should be able to figure it out on your own. And that could not be farther from the truth. Yeah. It's, I, I, I found a lot that um, I'd go to church or work and then people would say, hey, if there's anything I can do for you, let me know. And, and I think what people don't understand is that puts the stress back on the person that's grieving. <laughs> They're already dealing with a lot of emotions. And to, for you to say, well, let me know, um, that is something I, I coach people not saying that. <laughs> Um, I think what you want to do is you want to find a need for like someone needs food, right? Someone needs toiletry, someone needs their, their lawn mowed or someone needs to go to lunch. So it's like, okay, find a need and then say, hey, I'm coming over on this day to, to do your lawn or let's go to lunch. Does Tuesday or Thursday work? And then it becomes an easier conversation and the person grieving can say, oh, they really want to help me. They just don't want to add more to my plate. <laughs> so yeah. so it's, yeah. I think it's good coaching for people moving forward is, is there's always a need. They're always going to need stuff. You just got to be able to think outside the box to help them rather than saying, hey, you look like you're having a tough day. Let me know. And it's just, I, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> Right. Well, yeah, man. And it's, it's, it's a little bit, one of those things where stating the obvious, you know, like, yeah, yep. I know yep. it sucks, it, you know, and it's, it's just kind of like wallowing 
in the in the abyss of the misery and and the the whole point is working past that yeah. you know working through that and so i love the specificity because then then it gets then you get specific and you know you're making an impact bringing you know having a meal doing laundry doing those kinds of things picking up you know the house a little bit maybe helping out with the kids i mean these are all things that um, take little time and have such a substantial impact. So then now I'm curious, this is awesome because you've obviously made a pivot point. You've accepted the help. I love that you took off the mask of masculinity <laughs> because there's a lot of men <laughs> listening that, you know, may be needing to hear that <laughs> and, and, and potentially going through moments where they've they wanted to do it, but didn't for, for whatever different reasons internally that they didn't. And, and you're in, inspiring them to, to possibly do that now. Um, what then was the birth of giving sunshine? That's, I love that. Um, what happened after that meeting, what I decided was me and my boys were operating off of sad and lonely memories. We're of cancer and my wife dying and that wasn't sustainable. So I was like, we need to create some happy memories. <laughs> so shortly after that intervention, I quit my job and I said, I'm taking the summer off. <laughs> because my boys needed me, they needed their dad and, and they needed a happy dad. And so I, I took the summer off. I quit my job um, and I sat out at the kitchen table and I said, boys, dad's having the summer off. Let's make a bucket list and let's go have some fun this summer. And um, we, we did some of the just fun stuff. Like it wasn't like go here, climb this. We just went and just had some fun together. And what we learned through the process is, we invited people that were also grieving my wife's death to to have an experience and have a happy moment. So, I mean, one was go horseback riding, go fishing together, go um, hydro dipping. <laughs> um, <laughs> just just we created some fun things with people in our life, and those were moments that we look back and we today we just they're just happy moments. And on there was make a lemonade stand. So we made a lemonade stand because what me and my boys wanted to do, because when my wife was going through treatment and someone, our friends brought over a, a, a bucket of uh, yellow stuff that just brought us happiness and joy. I remember in that moment, it was such a happy moment for my family. And I wanted to, me and my boys wanted to create that for others. So we did a lemonade stand and the goal was to raise a hundred dollars so that we could buy two baskets so that we could go buy to help two families. And by the time the lemonade stand was done, we had, we had $1,500. Wow. And we began to create and make more baskets because we knew so many people out there needed help. So I threw it out on Facebook and I said, does anybody have, cancer diagnosis, people that have died and people we knew reached out to us and me and my boys would go and to their houses with our, our people that got us connected and we could 
give them comfort and support and we could cry with them. My boys could talk to their kids and just create some healing moments. And, and what happened also was it gave us like an emotional timeout from all the pain and stress where we could serve and we could help someone out through the process. And uh, it became our medicine to be able to get happier and healthier. We weren't focusing here. We were focusing on everybody else. And I think I look back on this and because I had someone say, well, how did the boys heal from this? And, and let's go back to we were focusing on negative and sad. And when you go through a hard moment, your brain just is programmed to find the negative like you'll find the sad person at the mall or on the TV show or you, you just gravitate that. But what my boys began to do is whenever they go to the store, they begin to look for yellow things because a yellow thing represented happiness to helping someone. And they begin to train their brain differently and they begin to have happy moments or train their brains how to be happier again by focusing on yellow things. I know it's simple, but that helped them become happier again because they were focused on something else. And, and, and this just began to be such happy moments for us. And we begin to celebrate life. We begin to help people. And, and um, we, we just started handing them out wherever we needed it. And someone in Virginia said, Hey, I want a sunshine basket. And I'm like, we can't drive to Virginia. Like, what are we going to do? So, so we designed a box that we filled up and then we shipped it out to Virginia. And this lady just called me and she says, thank you so much. You made a difference. This cheered me up so much. And then someone in, in Arizona says, I want a box. So we started sending boxes to different States and finding joy and happiness by helping so many people. And it was just like, oh my gosh, this is life changing. This is so amazing to see, give people a moment of happiness. And um, to this day, we're in 45 states. <laughs> oh my gosh, Jason, uh, could you ever imagine? Could you ever imagine? No that you would be touching this many people across the nation. You've turned your pain into something so powerful that's helping other people work through their pain. Yeah. That's remarkable. That's remarkable. Right. Well, we're actually in four countries too. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is so spectacular. Yeah. I'm still back on um, thinking about this lemonade stand that you built and <laughs> thinking, <laughs> thinking about how it all started, you know, and that's, that's the amazing thing is when your heart is in a, in a, is in a certain place and you, and you think about the simplicity of what you did at that time when you started, a lemonade stand. Yeah. I mean, it's it's something that's just so simple, and you just you know, and 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 I say this, and I just, I really want it to resonate with anyone who's listening because sometimes we think that making a difference in the world feels like what's what's one one person 
going to do, you know, I'm only one person and me helping one person, that's, that's not much. It starts with one person and one person at a time. And before you know it, that can multiply beyond your wildest imagination. And so, yes, that is where it begins. It always begins with that. But when your heart is in the right place, the magnitude of impact that you can have is limitless. It really is. And your boys, think about the experience that they're having. That is, that is really so profound because what they're, what they've learned. And of course I understand it was a situation that wasn't asked for, but how they've grown, you know, as young, you know, growing to be young men is just, is, is putting them in a position in the world that people that are twice their age are still trying to learn. Yeah. You know, I remember, I can't can't remember exactly the time frame, but I remember saying, I want to teach my boys how to get through a traumatic event the right way. Cause I didn't want, I've been doing therapy for 15 years and I didn't want to be five, 10 years down the road. And we were working on the events that we're dealing with right now. So I had to be, I, I, I had to be vulnerable. I had to do the hard things, quit my job. I, I had to do s- some hard things now so that I can enjoy my life moving forward rather than let's do the easy things now. And then 10 years from now, life is really difficult. So really my boys inspired me to just be lean into the the discomfort and and begin to grow and when it gets too overwhelming step back but then come back and don't come back to the same place but just push a little bit harder so i can grow through this and and having having two boys has been super hard and being the hybrid parent has been just it, it it's awful like <laughs> But you, you learn to adjust and adapt. And again, it's asking for help and and getting people to help you is, is the best medicine. The connection is the medicine to grief. And that's what's been super helpful. So, yeah. and I think another thing I want to point out too is a lot of people say, well, where did you come up? Like, how, how did these just pop into your head? Um, I, I like to point out, because life is so noisy and so busy, what I had to do is I had to quiet my brain and I had to have my own, I call it my mindful meditation (laughs) moments. And, And what I did is I sat at the kitchen table early in the morning and I wrote down questions on top of my journal, my journal, (laughs) <laughs> I would play me literally called journal yeah. <laughs> and I would play I'd play soothing music and I just let my heart and my thoughts just just write and I would just wow. write things out and I didn't care what came out but I needed to get them out and my questions would begin to answer what I needed and what my heart needed but I needed to quiet the noise and create that moment so that I can whether it be my higher power, God, or divine intervention, just help me say, okay, here's your next step. Here's here's something that would be an awesome 
idea. <laughs> and it just yeah. became- Well, and, and I, I love that when you talk about connection, you're not just talking about the connection that you're making with others. You're talking about the connection you're making with yourself yeah. by you taking the time to think, reflect, write, and allow yourself that meditative environment to propel you toward what the next action is that you wanted to do. Yeah. But I have to ask, because we, we talk about, you know, four countries and almost all states in the U.S., if somebody wanted to give sunshine, how would they do that? The, the best way is just to get on our website called givingsunshine.com. And uh, we have three boxes that can help. Um, we have boxes that are for grief and we have boxes for diagnosed with cancer. And then we have a box for, um, anxiety and depression. <laughs> so what's, what's crazy about these boxes is before when we deliver them, they were fun and yellow stuff, but I took my, my journey and I took my 15 years of experience and we started to design stuff that will help people for a long period of time. Not just put a Band-Aid on happy, but create tools to be able to help people get out of that, that difficult emotional spot. So, and, and that's what I'm really proud about is these boxes will help. Like the thing that what I like is we have like a deck of support cards and, and when someone passes away, let's say my wife passes away, I find my people on my team and I hand them the deck of cards. And the deck of cards actually tells you exactly what to say to the person. <laughs> I, I love that just a few, you know, a few minutes ago we were talking about, yeah, it's, you shouldn't say this. Not only are you talking about it, but you actually have a tool yeah. <laughs> that's going to help people do it better yeah. because they're not we're just not equipped we are not equipped very well for grief uh -huh. so this is amazing because you're not just giving hope and support but you're actually providing tools that help be better supporters yeah. to other people which yeah. is amazing yeah and that's what just what people need as we we like to say we took the hard work out of trying to figure it out <laughs> And it's just like order box, send it to someone and it just helps you like build a community, bring people in and start writing and do the journals. There's a journal in there that helps you talk through the emotions. There's a children's book in there that um, helps you start to have those conversations with your kids, open up the dialogue with people. So it just really gives people hope and help and and you don't have to suffer alone. You can really find the box or find someone that's struggling and send it to them. And um, you, you feel better. I mean, we always say it's, 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 I hate saying this, but sometimes it's better than flowers because flowers and food die and you end up throwing it away. And then it brings up all that extra trauma and energy. But this allows you to help you through I mean, our journal prompts last for a whole year, so it really. Well, and that, you know, this is, this is so amazing because I have, and I know, I know every person that's listening right now has been in a moment like this. When somebody experiences loss, 
or grief, I do this exact thing that you're talking about. What should I give them? I want them to know I care because I've been there and you are right. You go through this list of stuff and it is not long. You go to the flowers or some kind of gift card that feels a little bit impersonal because it's a gift card. Um, you know, I've done a book, you know, maybe, maybe this book is inspirational. I mean, all great ideas. I, I think we can all list, you know, probably five or six common things that we've yeah. done, but what you're doing is amazing because this is just something that, you know, this is the first thing I'm going to think of now because I, I can't tell you it's, and it's, a, it's a, a weird thing to say, but um, I feel like, I don't know if it's because I'm more aware or just time is going on and this is just a natural part of life, but I feel like grief has struck more times than I would like. And I, I do feel like it's still a journey of learning yeah. for me. And, and I think a lot of people can relate to that area of their life that they're trying to grow in because a part of it is the fact that I think we want to move through things that are uncomfortable as quickly as possible. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, let me just get through this. It's like you said, right? When you, as soon as your wife was sick, you're like, you know what? I, I don't need this, you know, enhancement. I just want to go back. I want to go back to what it was, how it was. I enjoyed it that way. I don't want to have to transform and change into this other stuff. And I think that is where it's hard. But I You just want to rush through. <laughs> to your point, it's like, but if you're not doing it right, you're going to do it over and over and over again. You're going to have to yeah. grieve again, grieve again. But being able to go through it the right way, then when it comes again, it's not so, it doesn't wipe you out and it doesn't activate the past traumas. It's just, it brings up emotions, but you feel comfort because you know what to do and you know how to deal with it. Absolutely. I mean, a good, a good example is um, my mom, um, I'm going through this and I'm processing, I feel like I'm doing really good. And then I get a phone call from my dad that says, your mom has cancer. And uh, all of a sudden it just activates some emotions and it wipes me out for a couple of days. Um, but because I did my work, I was able to kind of get some momentum. And I, I went back. This is the amazing part for me is, is when I got activated from that phone call, started feeling the same emotions and same grief. I went back to the basics of reaching out to my team and I, I started reaching out and I was like, I just, I, I just started doing that without even thinking and people came back in and they started talking about my emotions. I was like, Oh my gosh. So doing it the right way and having success allows it not to be so fearful when it comes up again. Cause you, it's like, Oh, I'm calling my best friend. Why am I calling? Hey, guess what? My my mom's not doing very good. Hey, can I come over? Let's go to law. And it's just like, oh my gosh, they just it, it go right back to that healing team that just comes back when you've been able to do it the right way. So it's pretty awesome. That is so awesome. I wanted to ask you too, because I know you still practice part-time huh? with adolescence doing, you know, therapy. How has this experience influenced the way that you work with kids? That's a, that's a great question because 
Um, I feel because of going through a, a hard experience and then growing through it, then it allows me to sit in uh, those therapy sessions. It allows me to do therapy on such a deeper level um, where I can feel those emotions that they're going through. I feel like I can ask uh, um, more uh, in-depth questions to help them process their emotions. And I feel like um, I, I, I can I can sense those and feel those emotions and I can I can sit in those emotions to walk them through that process. And and also I, I am not scared to go with them into that hard spot because I know what it's like to be in a hard spot, but I know what it's like to be what a good team member looks like. So I can I can sit with them and I can walk. I can be a guide on the side through that through that um, that healing process and walk them through feeling happy and helpful again. So it, it's been amazing. I feel like I'm doing the best therapy after going through a traumatic event. And I've been doing this for 15 years. But after the death of my wife, I feel like I'm just feel like I'm doing therapy that I was meant to do to help people. Yeah. It's like 2.0, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of, a lot of growth yeah. that you've brought to the process. But Jason, I want to ask you a couple of questions yeah. that help people get to dig a little deeper into you. And the first question that I have is what makes you unbreakable? Uh, what makes me unbreakable is the experiences that I've been through and I'm not, I, know how to, let's see, what's a good question? The experience I've been through and I know how to get the help I need to walk through that journey. So I was thinking the other day is like, what happens if a hard moment comes? I'm like, well, I'm not so fearful because I know what, what things to do to help me through that. Just like, the healing team, the reaching out, taking off my mask. I, I know what works and I'm not fearful of hard events. So, <laughs> so um, going through a hard event right now, but I feel confident that I know where to go for help and support. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. All right. What is a self-limiting belief you've had to overcome? Um, I think I wasn't good enough as a therapist. <laughs> yep. I got challenged early on in my career from parents that, that doubted me and challenged me. And for a long time, I just thought I wasn't, I always doubted myself. And it was always a fear that I held on tightly because of what they said. And it wasn't accurate. So I had to, I, I had to do my own work and have some really amazing experiences to see clients walk that journey to believe, yes, I can provide the help they need. Yeah, absolutely. You are capable. And I know a lot of people can relate to feeling that way because of something that somebody said to them and having to persevere through that. What about on the opposite side, when you think about a superpower, something you're really good at? What would that be? Um, I, 
I believe I connect with people <laughs> really well. Yeah. I feel like I, I don't, I don't have a lot of judgment for people and that allows me just to just see people for who they are. And, um, <laughs> I attract people <laughs> cause I'm just like, I just love people. And sometimes that creates long conversations <laughs> with people, but it just, I, I don't judge people. I, I welcome people and I just care about a lot of people. I wish the world could adopt your level of non-judgment and connection because that would that would make it a very very different place than it is today but i think you can certainly spread that around so you talked about doing a lot of things with your boys mm -hmm. in the summer when you took that time off so i want to ask you about your bucket list and what is something on your bucket list now that you want to experience um i think we talked about this is we want to redo the bucket list um, because once we got to that lemonade, <laughs> things just went off and we're like, okay, we found things that's heal. So we want to recreate it um, and do some things that we want to do because our family has changed in the last little while. And the change that has happened that I'm, I'm just, God is good. God has allowed me to meet um, a girl named Kirsten and we actually got married in January. And Congratulations. That's amazing. And having her in my life and she, she lost her spouse from cancer. So together it's, it's been an amazing, amazing journey to be able to obviously find her from doing our work and then having this relationship where we help each other through each other's grief. And then one thing that's pretty amazing too, and we, we celebrate the other spouse's life and we don't, we don't shy away from talking about the other spouse, like they're still here. Um, and I think that's pretty empowering for us to be able to help us through that. And we, we were able to be happier because of it. So because of Kirsten coming into our life and where we're at now, it's like it's time to recreate this bucket list of things that we want to do to, to again, reconnect as a family and really strengthen our family bonds. And uh, we, we're going to recreate that and, and start building on that because it's going to be different um, and it's going to be something that we cherish and look forward to. So that is so cool that's gonna be so much fun and i i i'm gonna have to stay in touch with you so i can keep up with uh how you're progressing on your list and accomplishing the things on there i i will um, i will say this <laughs> here's another thing that has blessed our lives too so um because of the relationship that me and kirsten are building um or several years ago she was told that um, she would never have kids. And that was something that was hard for her. And she, she married Cody, who was her husband, and he had a couple of girls. And, and then when he passed away, that relationship kind of decreased a little bit. She was starting to be okay with like, I'll just never have kids. And, and um, 
early this year. <laughs> Here's another tender mercy from God and helping us um, have have wonderful uh, joy again. He's blessed our family with my wife being pregnant. So, oh my gosh, Jason, what a miracle! So it's it's I, I love that it goes full circle because when the doctor is looking at me and saying your life is going to be enhanced at the moment. I didn't want that to happen. But now as I sit here and I look back about what I've been able to accomplish with my family and friends and meet some incredible people, it's like, Oh, here's my life being enhanced more than it ever has. And, and I can sit here today and I can say, I'm grateful for my trial. I am grateful for my trial um, because of the person I am and the people I've met and the, the people that uh, continue to come in my life. And, and every day as I live my life this way, I'm able to be able to enhance other people's life. And it's just, I just feel so blessed and so happy that I'm able to be in this spot. And, and, and to your audience and listeners, it's like, I, I want you to have hope because when you go through a hard time, it's not going to last forever. And if you are willing to do the hard things in the moment, and that might be just inviting one person at a time into your life and start talking, that can give you incredible strength to move forward. And just by that step and another step, there will be ways where you'll find happiness again. And, 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 and my story, and there's many out there like that, but there can be a way of having happiness and joy again. I promise. I promise. Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I was just going to ask you that. If there is any message that you could give to anyone listening, what that would be. And hope, I understand, is a big part of your message. Uh-huh. I love it. Jason, how can people follow you and keep up with the work you're doing or if they want to reach out for whatever reason how would they do that i i, I mean my email is jason at giving sunshine.com um, if you've been touched or if you need some help i can offer that to you but you can find us on giving sunshine.com that's our website and then giving sunshine daily um, is our instagram or facebook um uh, giving sunshine daily. Those are how you can find us. And, 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 and those websites are for like uplifting and positive message, which is probably really good. So if you need something that has positive message, this could be something that will just show up in your feed as a positive thing that could be really helpful. Uh, yes, please. <laughs> Have positive feeds, friends. There's enough negative stuff that probably you should remove from your feeds, and that oh, yeah. would change things dramatically for you as well. But, Jason, I appreciate you just taking the time and being so vulnerable to share your story. It really is is amazing, and I, I am so excited for where you are, what you're doing, and this next chapter of your wonderful wife, 
your your blessing that is on the way congratulations there's no one more deserving than everything that is happening at this moment for you so thank you so thank much you, it's been a pleasure awesome giving sunshine one of the most amazing stories i have heard from tragedy to triumph. I'm telling you, wow, that is spectacular. Jason is an incredible human being doing so much good in the world, raising boys that are going to make great men. And I could not be happier that he has found love and has another baby on the way. That is magnificent. What is very important for you is to go and visit givingsunshine.com. These boxes are incredible. So as Jason mentioned, there's different ones for different purposes. He's talked through them. I've pulled up one here called The Loss of a Loved One. It's a starter support kit. This one is $29.99, just to give you an example. It's ready to ship. You can check a box to give it as a gift. What's included in this one is a You Deserve a Sweet Treat sticker, bag of sweets, a fun pair of socks with a note of comfort, hugging you with all my love sticker, instrument of inspiration pen, roadmap to joy journal, 365 days of prompts, written and designed by a therapist who has lost his own child and wife in his life. Mental timeout game booklet, always with you keychain, and you are a my sunshine magnet. And there's more information that you could read about on the website, but I just wanted to give you a little bit of a deeper look of what you get as an example if you choose this box. Again, there's a variety for different reasons, so they might contain a little bit of different content, but I think it's brilliant. I think this is the kind of thoughtfulness that we should be bringing into the world because it is difficult and awkward sometimes to know how it looks to support someone in a way that actually makes a difference. Uh, it's awesome. I think it's incredible. And so please, please, please check out givingsunshine.com and give someone some sunshine who might need it that's going through an experience that is difficult right now. We can all help somebody. We are capable one person at a time. If Jason can do it, starting with a lemonade stand with his boys, then all of us can help at least one person by giving them a box of sunshine. Whew. So cool. So cool. All right. Well, you know my message to you is that you are your only limit, so take action today. I truly mean that from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much for being here, for tuning in, for listening. I hope you've learned something new and can pay it forward. Please share this episode with somebody who needs hope and inspiration and support right now in their lives. They may be going through something and this could be the difference that allows them to know that they are not alone. With that, thanks for listening and tune in again next time. 
hit that subscribe or follow button so you do not miss another episode of the Born Unbreakable podcast.